Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. gospel lesson comes to us from the gospel according to John chapter 17. Beginning with verse 1, let us listen for the word of God. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world, They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given to me, so that they may be one as we are one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Happy Ascension Day. I'm sure that many of you have not heard this before, but let me explain. And I'm guessing that many of you on Ascension Day, which was really celebrated in the Christian calendar on Thursday, had at least one bright spot in your day, or at least some of you did. I won't start every sermon with something that I've learned or experienced since living here in New York City. But what I'm about to share, I think, is very relevant to us today. I'm aware that some of you are self-proclaimed street parking warriors. This is what I've heard at least one or two of you refer to yourselves as. You save a ton of money by parking your car on the street, and at least twice a week you are willing to do battle with other people who are looking to take your spot. It all sounds a bit stressful. Well, this past week I learned from one of you 
that in the city of New York, alongside Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Ash Wednesday, Passover, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Eid al-Fitr, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the list continues, I could go on, here it is, that on Thursday, May 18th, what we in the church celebrate as Ascension Day was a day when alternate side street parking was suspended. <laughs> Truly, happy Ascension Day. <laughs> now, I'm sure that in the city of New York, on Thursday morning, there were a lot of people who were wondering, what in the world is Ascension Day? Unfortunately, however, I'm also sure there were a lot more people out there saying, who cares? I don't have to move my car today. Well, Ascension Day is much more than keeping your parking spot. And by the way, the next day, alternate side street parking is suspended at Shavout. Though if I'm wrong, please do not call the church asking for me to pay your ticket. <laughs> Ascension Day is more than keeping your parking spot. It commemorates, as Beverly told our youngest members, that it commemorates the ascension of Jesus Christ, his physical movement from earth to heaven. 40 days after the resurrection. 40, that significant number or period of time counted in days or years throughout the Bible. The 40 days Moses spent on top of Mount Sinai. The 40 years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness after the Exodus event. The 40 days Jesus was tempted in the wilderness or desert. The 40 days of Lent approximate, not including Sundays, and now, 40 days after the resurrection, a day that commemorates an end to that period of time when Jesus made many earthly appearances because he then went on to heaven. As the Acts of Apostles proclaims, as the disciples were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him up into heaven, out of their sight, one of my predecessors left in my office a framed newspaper article on the tapestry behind me, a tapestry which dates to sometime in the 1500s of Franco-Flemish origin. It depicts Christ's resurrection and appearances during that 40-day period between his resurrection and the ascension. On the far left, we have the risen Lord holding the banner of heaven with a soldier guarding the tomb asleep. In the center, we have the risen Christ making his first post-resurrection experience to Mary, who mistook him for a gardener. To the far, to, I'm just, apologize, to the far right, we have Jesus appearing to two disciples, Cleopas and one who was unnamed on the road to Emmaus that afternoon of Easter Sunday. And then somewhere in between the center and the right, towards the top, we have Jesus appearing to Thomas, showing him the piercings in his hand, feet, and sides. Today's celebration of Jesus' ascension, his move from earth to heaven, is bittersweet. It marks the end of his earthly ministry and appearances. 
Oh, how I would love to see Jesus walking in the flesh beside me. There have been times in my life, and I'm sure there have been times in your life, when you may have longed to reach out and touch the fringes of Jesus' cloak, just as the woman in need of healing wished to do and did. But Jesus came not just for those who could be in his physical presence. He came for us all, for Judea, for Samaria, and the ends of the earth, which includes all space and time. The ascension is not the end of Christ's ministry. It is simply a new chapter, albeit a very long one. A continuation of the saving grace enacted on the cross and now extended throughout the generations. To celebrate the ascension is to celebrate the fact that his saving work, his miracle strength, and grace for life are not just for those who lived in the days of his physical presence upon the earth, but for those in every time and space throughout the generations, including us this day and those to come after us. Few of us are Christians because it's easy. On a light note, being a Christian can be an inconvenience. On Saturday nights, we might have to call it an earlier night than we otherwise would, set an alarm for the following day, wake up, get dressed, look nice, make our way, I hope, here to 73rd in Madison. But on a heavier note, being a Christian isn't easy because we might be perplexed and challenged by what we face, experience, and see. Sometimes the world confounds us. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why are we experiencing what we are? Why is there such hate and meanness exercised towards others? Poverty, inequality, justice, war? I don't know. But let me be clear. My not knowing is an informed not knowing. And let me explain. In Scotland, Boxing Day is December 26. It's a national holiday. It's the day after Christmas when all the gifts that you aren't happy with go back in their box and are returned. Such a sentimental and non-commercial holiday, isn't it? I'm being ironic. On Boxing Day 2004, there was an absolutely horrific natural disaster. An earthquake and tsunami in the Indian Ocean. An estimated 227,000 people lost their lives in this event. In the aftermath of the devastation, David Bentley Hart, theologian at UVA, Duke Divinity and elsewhere wrote a series of op-eds which were eventually bound together into the published book, The Doors of the Sea, Where Was God in the Tsunami? In this book, Hart reacts to two responses to disaster. One, those Christians who claimed, and this is uncomfortable for me to say, those Christians who claimed that God caused the tsunami, 
with a reference to sin. And then the second group of responses from others, non-Christians, who asked, how could an all-loving God, if one does exist, allow such evil to happen? David Bentley Hart and I do as well share much more in common with people who feel confounded with the bad and the evil that exists in the world. Hart, throughout his book, expresses much more sympathy for those non-Christians asking difficult questions of God and those of faith and those who are so quick to condemn and identify God as the condemner. In response to those people quick to label natural disaster as a response to sin, and unfortunately we have seen this over and over again, I can think to some conservative Christian responses to Hurricane Katrina and the French Quarter. But to these people, I would ask them, how come in Lisbon, Portugal, in 1755, an earthquake and tsunami of great scale devastated almost the entire capital city, almost 85% of it destroyed, but yet the red light district was left untouched? I do believe I can articulate a knowledgeable, rational argument that justifies and protects God's all-loving and omnipotent character in the face of evil. I believe I can. But this is not a sermon dealing with the Odyssey. It's Ascension Sunday. And the Ascension exercises great impact on our faith and how we navigate the world amid all of its realities. What I will say is that the reason that the presence of hardship and hurt in the world causes us such dismay is because we believe the world should be better than it currently is. We believe that the world can and should be better because of the Bible. It's the Bible that tells us that one day the wolf will lie with the lamb and that swords will be beaten into plowshares. One day. Not yet, but one day. The Bible doesn't teach us some Darwinian survival of the fittest mentality, but instructs us to care for the poor. The Bible doesn't profess a zero-sum game where one success precludes ours, but teaches us to love and to give generously. Without the Bible, we might do best to adopt some stoic attitude towards the world as it is. But because of the Bible, and because of the Bible's promises for a better life, we strive to do better, longing and yearning and working for justice. A world in which more and more people can flourish and know that they are of value in our eyes and most definitely in the eyes of God. And because of the juxtaposition between the way the world is and what we are promised and led to believe in Scripture and in the life of Jesus Christ, we are confounded, baffled, and sometimes disappointed with the world.
And so, when our response to those who question the evil of the world, whether out there or in the hospital room, or in discussion with you or I, when our response is, I don't know why this is happening. What we hold certain to is that God is God. And that Jesus Christ, because of the ascension, cares deeply about what is happening. And that God can help because he reigns in heaven for us. Christianity is unique because we go to a God who has been here. That's what we celebrate at Christmas with the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. As an exercise, I would like each of you to think of a place that is special to you. Perhaps it's a place where a son or a daughter or a parent lives. Maybe a place where you have a second home. And I know it's hard to do, and I hope it never happens, but just imagine if some horrific event happened there. Now I'm sure the rest of the world, all of us, would look on with appropriate concern and a desire to help, but I imagine for you, for you who have a vested interest in that place, for you who has been there, that the hurt and the longing for healing would be uniquely significant or increased. Well, in the Incarnation, Jesus Christ has gone from there, heaven, wherever that is, to here, earth. And as William Barclay, professor, theolo theology professor at the University of Glasgow, once stated, when we have a sad and sorry tale to tell, when life has drenched us with tears, we do not go to a God who cannot say, I have been there. God has been here. He can relate to our sufferings. He knows the temptations we face as he was tempted in the wilderness. He knows what injustice was as his life was, was given on the cross unfairly. He knows what it's like to have friends abandon him. He knows what it is to see hardship and hurt in the world because he ministered so frequently among it. In addition to having been here as Ascension Sunday celebrates, God is there. Because he has been here and is now there, he is in a position to help. As Jesus prays in the Gospel of John, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. And as he prays for us earlier, I am praying on their behalf. When we end and conclude our prayers in Jesus' name, we are asking him to take our imperfect lives and all of our needs and to make them acceptable in God's sight. In spite of our shortcomings and sin, Jesus, who was present at creation, has come into the world and while ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, as we so often pray, God cares about us and is with us through all that we face. The best image that I've ever come across for the ascension is provided by C.S. Lewis of a strong man who bends over 
trying to get underneath some great weight. And as he gets his neck and shoulders underneath that great weight, he exerts all of his force upward, bringing not only that weight, but all the great weight of the world with him up into the heavens. It is because Christ reigns in heaven for us that we can go to a God who has been here and is there. The cross in our sanctuary is brilliantly suspended in midair somewhere between earth and heaven. Let us know the ascended Christ, the one who was there and came here and is now back there, and because of this knows the trials and temptations and the hurt and the challenges we face, yet is not only strong enough, but is now in a position to help us and to intercede on our behalf. When we say, I don't know, to the hurt in the world, we hold steadfast to the promises of God that this is not all that there is and that we have the hope and the strength of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who has gone before us and who cares and loves each of us. Therefore, let each of our lives seek to share that love of Christ in those places where there is need. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.